So what I'd like to do is to, to do a bit of an interview of our latest member, Jason, uh, about his business to see if there's ways in which we can help him. But if somebody that's not on this call but actually shared something with me yesterday, I'm going to speak to her today, tomorrow, this afternoon, and that's Rebecca. Rebecca Noakes is an architectural photographer that was with us for quite a while. She's taken a break. She said, hopefully, back in April, I'll be back. I don't know whether that's going to be the case. But either way, she could be really good because she's, she's, her target audience is architects. Um, and um, she's been working quite solidly on those. And I know that's, that, I think that's sure. So I want to find out a little bit more. Jason, I've known for well over 20 years, know his mum, know the family, been to parties at his place. Um, and uh, although we haven't stayed in that regular touch, we've been aware of one another. And um, Jason came to me just before Christmas to say, uh, somebody's offered me a job. <laughs> he's a, as anybody that's known him recently will know he's quite an entrepreneur. He's, got, he's very sharp, very savvy uh, with his contribution. And uh, somehow, uh, thought I might be healthy with my sort of corporate background. I think he'd do well his own anyway, whatever. Um, so, Jason, do you want to tell us about this new assignment, this new role that you've got and how you're approaching it? Uh, what is it, first of all? What is it you require? What is your position? And uh, who is your target audience? Well, thank, thank you, Paul. What, just you, what does your company do? Yeah, just before that, what I will say, just to right for everybody the reason that i reached out to you is because you'd unexpectedly shown up in my linkedin profile and i know that we hadn't probably spoken for 10 five years 10 years and actually you did a piece around your first job interview and you shared a piece of video on linkedin and i was obviously it reminded me about you first of all i don't know why it showed up in my feed amongst my thousands of contacts but it did um and also just the fact that it was it was so good um, it reminded me about you, and hence I'm actually technically a customer again. So that's just a, a reminder of the power of keep sharing ideas and stories on LinkedIn, because that specifically brought me to the group now. That's part um, of my, my strategy for LinkedIn is being quite unintentional. In other words, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, as Mark has yeah. pointed out. So I'm glad that works. <laughs> Do things yeah, at random. Great. Yes, but carry on. Thank you. Yeah, so um, as a company, so the company is uh, called Glatar Keller. And they're a large German organization. They've been in business for 40 years. They've delivered over 70,000 construction projects. And predominantly, they, their specialism is in precast, manufactured off-site basements. But they also do a big part of their business in Germany and the rest of mainland Europe is that they deliver concrete foundations for the timber frame construction companies. So that's their, their area of speciality is more is the concrete and the steel work. So they've got teams of their own guys that will actually either dig the holes or they subcontract the actual dig and then their men will put steel work in and put the concrete in. And then if you're having a basement, they'll have made that in their factory in Germany and it, well, they've got two or three factories and it will be trucked over to the UK. And then the, the way that I've been connected with them is that a, a friend of mine has... He'd retired from his role at KPMG um, and he was living in Germany at the time. Uh, he got a German wife and his, his children over here. And he just happened to be at a business function and he, he passed some comment about hearing a guy that was, he heard a guy speaking English. 
and he, he made the comment, oh, I was great English. And then they got chatting and turned out that this guy was a director of the company and they were looking for a, um, a UK sales manager. And that was 10 years ago. And my friend is now retiring in the next 18 months. So he's been tasked with finding and training his replacement. They put me forward and it looked all good. And then lockdown came and nothing happened for a year. And then just before Christmas, they called me and, and here I am now. So I'm actually, as I shared earlier, I'm in the in the, in the office of the, um, the the lead estimator. So I've had to drive an hour this morning and I'm doing spreadsheets of how I work out the, uh, the, the pricing of a 150 square meter basement. Um, so, so just so, before you carry on, so the company, uh, somebody requires a basement, they need, they, they may be, they might, it might be in a new build that the, the whole construction is, know that they're gonna do a basement or somebody wants to extend downwards, which I believe is quite popular in London, because uh, they can't expand upwards, they want to go downwards. Your company will do all of that, and they will do they pre-construct the basement and drop it in, or well, you can't, I suppose. You can't, which is a great, great question, and great and great point. No, they don't. They won't go under any and underneath any existing structure. So right. it's it's only for new build or basement conversion. So let's say that you have a house, you you don't want to move, but you want more space. What you can actually do is have your garden or driveway or patio lifted and then they can put in a basement and then return it again so you can get yourself another 50 or 100 um, uh, square meters and a great question there there ollie I'm, I'm really thinking that the bunker market is something that's probably going to become <laughs> ever more interesting for people um, so the one thing to be sure is, yeah, generally people don't, won't, you won't buy a basement on its own. And, and certainly as a company, we, we do the concrete shell and the, the, the finished structure, provide all the, the warranty of the waterproofing, and then someone else will go and finish it. So just in the way that a bricklayer may build a wall, you still need your builder to do all the internal work. So that's the, hence the reason that a big part of what we do is aimed at partnerships. Um, and so my job is certainly that the, there's a, a growing trend for what's known as the timber frame houses. Um, it's big in Germany. Apparently, some 20% of the build in Germany is timber frame. It's, it's a smaller amount in the UK, but certainly with, with everyone's energy bills doubling and tripling, this is going to become now um, a, a, bit, a, a much larger um, part of the market and awareness. Just that the traditional build on a house still cost a lot of money to heat. And only recently I learned that you've probably heard of the term passive house. Um, but the, the, the passive house standards are, are German standards where if you have four people in a house and it's built to passive house standards, the only energy you require is to heat the water for your showers. Um, but the, the, the body heat generated by four people is enough to heat a three bedroom house if it's fully insulated. And then you, you, and you have heat exchangers like taking the warm, the, the temperature from the air as it circulates. And um, so I think that it's just simply something that's going to become, the timing is really good for what I'm doing. And, and they can actually build a basement underground with enough insulation for it to, to meet these passive house standards. All right. Um, we get a little bit technical here for technical us. There, technical there, sorry. Yeah. People. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. um, so the market really is for new builds. Yes. It's not so much for conversions. So somebody wants to, right. Um, so on the so that's a great point. So on the on the new build front, the 
historically, again, it's the, the self-build market um, advertise as many as 12,000 people a year build their own house in the UK. Well, obviously, they wouldn't literally build it. They would hire the architect and or the builder, but it's where you, you, you take a plot of land and you build your own house. So that's actually a fairly developed market. So that's, so, a, so that's a sector in itself. I've not thought about that yet. Yeah, that's a sector. So, and there is there's a, the National Self-Build Centre at Swindon um, is a really good place. It's a huge warehouse with a load of um, house builders in it. The company used to spend money there, but they were doing like fifteen to 20000 a year and not really getting much of a return on investment. So they pulled out of that. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm considering pushing them to go back. But that, that's the kind of outbound um, story. That, that's, that's paid marketing to encourage inbound leads would be if, if anyone wants to build a house, then you're going to spend time specifying what you want in it. And then the other way to do it is just where, where I'm attempting to go is to reach out to the professionals who would be engaged by people who are looking to build their own house. As you did this whole point of this call is to find the people who have the audience. So if you're an architect or a surveyor or a planner, you're, you'll have done your own local marketing and people will come to you asking you to design and build them a house. And I want to know that myself and my company are top of their, their pocketbook to say, yeah, let, let us tender on this. And um, but the last big kind of hurdle for me is simply that basements are not a thing here. So let me ask you just to, to pull the call. Who on the call now has a, 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 live, a basement that they use in their house. Anybody? And it's just not a thing. And yet in Germany, in, like I live in a terrace house in a regular street and there's probably 200 houses that were built at the same time. Everyone's got a basement, it's the full footprint of the house. So one of the challenges is the historical, or just the culturally, it's not generally a thing. And uh, yes, yeah, exactly Charlotte said, yeah, they're, they're big in Sweden, Scandinavia, Germany, Switzerland. Um, and nowadays it's not as much, it's not that much more expensive to get a basement put in than historically it has been more. It's been, it can be as much as twice um, the price per square foot, but now given the, the, the massive increase in costs for houses and buildings, it's actually becoming relative to the cost of the house something. So for me, I'm also thinking about how I can actually create the demand that's not necessarily there so part of it is if someone's made a decision to get a basement then great i want to be able to to um put forward what we do but also for the people that are maybe spending two or three or four hundred thousand pounds getting a house built but hadn't thought about a basement and a basement can be anywhere from a single room you know like the 30 or 40 square meters right up to the full footprint of the house um, uh ollie had a point and so did nick ollie uh, yeah, yeah, my my question was, um, what's all I can think of is a beer cellar, but but what's the the general kind of use which um, people would you know consider a basement for in terms of thinking of the kind of people that would want one? So what you've um, exactly right, something like a beer cellar, and if you ever worked in a pub or you kind of generally you think of basements as being cold and dark and damp. And nowadays, with the modern construction methods, and particularly what we do, your basement can end up being the warmest part of the house. So actually, you can have a, I'm thinking of doing a video series, 101 uses of a basement. Yes, if you've got your uber rich, you can have a swimming pool and a sauna and a snooker room and, and you know, so many other things. But it's also actually can just be extend your living space. It can be a self-contained apartment, but it will be as warm and dry 
and even as well lit as the average house because you can to have a light well um is, it doesn't have much more money and but generally just if you had if you were offered the chance of another floor in your house what would you do with it and that's where you, you can put anything in a basement but yeah great point okay nick yeah i think jason's possibly answered my question i was just gonna ask about how you get light into what is obviously a probably going to be a very dark and dingy place but you're saying there are light wells and new technology now that can stream natural light into a basement yeah if you think about it particularly in some of the um, older cities i don't know if it's being in bristol or not but obviously many areas of london a lot of houses were built with basement apartments in any way so the windows might be higher up on the wall yeah that's one one way so you actually um you can have a smaller window that's that's near the top of the wall but you can actually as well you can have a full height so many of the larger basements have um it's effectively a terrace so the the full hole will be dug and then there's a like a secondary wall and you might have two or three meters of space that's at the same level and then stairs up to your garden or your patio or that lets all the light in okay um i, I can't remember who is first let's say uh tracy and then charlotte Jason, have you thought about speaking to like local authorities or housing associations that are looking to build new houses and stuff and whether that would be a design difference that they might want to kind of bring into their cities? Thank you, Tracy. Well, to be fair, that's probably where I need to step up a bit because at the moment I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm not. I, you know, I, I could talk to one person and one builder. And um, I think certainly here in Germany, it's a, it's a bigger thing and they've got experience of building on, on multiple sites. Um, it does tend to be that the larger developments where you've got really big, you know, two or three, four hundred apartments going up at once, they're more likely the, the builder would do their own, um, they would do it as part of the whole build rather than, than have a specialist like us come in on that. Um, but it's something I haven't explored here. And I think as, you know, as, as we all know, the massive housing demand there is, there's certainly, yeah, that would be a really good a way forward is to think about, well, actually, how do I approach it and who could I talk to? So yeah, that'd be um, definitely worth me following up on that. Thank you. Charlotte. Yeah, do you, do you work worldwide then, Jason? So do you work with, another question was um, about sustainability, because uh, I, I know sort of contacts within Sweden who work really heavily on keeping those kind of buildings sustainable and new energy and, and solutions for that sort of thing. Well, I'm wondering. Yes, yeah, certainly. It's not so worldwide, but definitely European. So they, they're factories in North and South Germany. They do truck. I know that uh, Skander House is one of the companies that do build in the UK and they have delivered um, for them before. But what I'm also appreciating is because the, it's the, within the larger companies, there's often many people involved and people come and go all the time. So even if historically they may have done some work for a company, um, that... that that connection can be easily be lost. So yeah, it's kind of up to me to, to reconnect with those. And, um, but I think that's also a great point of bringing some of the, the case studies from other countries to the UK and reminding people, actually, this is, is suddenly more affordable than you might have thought. Um, especially I'm thinking with the sustainability of, of energy. Mm. Yes. Especially with the cost going up as much as they are, I think. Yeah, I was wondering if that might be a good sort of partnership for you yeah I, I think historically the the energy cost thing is very much we've we all know about it and we know we should but is it real but i'll give you an example we, we, i'm in germany with my wife our our heating bill 
um, we were paying 12, I think it was 1200 euros a year. I mean, the letter came three or four weeks ago and we've now got to pay it's almost 4,000 euros a year. So it's got, it's gone more than trebled in one single jump. And this was before what's happening in Ukraine had started. Well, actually an extra 3000 pounds a year over just 10 years is another 30,000 pounds worth of heating bills. So all of a sudden, if you're spending, you know, two or three, 400 getting a house built, Actually, to spend an extra five to ten percent at the front end could then save you, genuinely save you money over the term, and give you all the extra space. And um, so, yeah, so it's it's a long term play. But this is, as, as Paul shared here, for me to put my hand up and say I'm going to get a job was a bit of a turnaround. But I think it's kind of I've got a ten year plan on this. So they're doing around twenty to twenty five a year in the UK, and um, I would like to. Um, uh, um, you know, I'm aiming for, there's no reason why they can't 10 times that. There's no reason why they couldn't do 200 a year in the UK. They've got the capacity to do that. Okay. Uh, Rod, you've got a point. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you, this is perfect timing, Jason, because every time I look at a new development these days, the footprint's getting smaller mm. and the height of the property is getting higher. And so consequently, it's sort of logical, really, that going down is the only way forward, isn't yeah. it? Really. Yeah. So right. it's just yeah. it's just making the awareness, you know, improving mm. the awareness and, and and to your audience. And your audience is is too diverse and too big for you to go at all of them. But maybe the you know what's his name Clark's program on the TV. You know, maybe you need a case study. That's oh, George Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. By by one of the um, you know the property open spaces type you know the you know the programs I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they've been on grand they've been on grand designs a couple of times with some of their largest. Stuff, grand design. Think, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more it's more the mainstream that I I do need to tap into, but um, you, you, it's, yeah. it's, it's really yeah. encouraging. You made a you, the main point you made there was that you're after the self bill market, of which there are about twelve thousand. Uh, interestingly. I've just read recently that uh, the main house builders, somebody's called them out to say it's all a cartel, uh, you know, your Barretts and, and the world. So yeah. that's not the that, that's not who you're after because they'd probably be, if they wanted to go that route, they'd be able to do it themselves. So just very briefly, what is it that, you, what extra value do you bring that somebody themselves can't do it themselves? Yeah, definitely the, the the primary angle that we have, because there, there are people that will build you a basement. There have been um, many, many horror stories. Um, and that's one of the things a lot of architects, their professional indemnity cover doesn't cover them to do basement work. So the, and there's one kind of fairly large famous company in London that apparently goes through a bit of a Phoenix syndrome every three or four years. Every time they have a basement go wrong, they, they, they start again. Um, so yeah, one of the challenges is the it's getting across the fact that you do need to invest a bit more up front in getting something that's a quality but as a company we provide a full 10-year company back to warranty we've got the track record of, of thousands and thousands of projects we've got many hundreds in the uk that you can come and visit um, and the other the key um, way that we add value is the fact that the speed of what we do so once the the concrete's been laid and the, the foundation slab has been created it actually only takes about three or four hours for all the, the walls and ceiling slabs to be craned into place. Then there's one more concrete pour. So we can do in four to five weeks what historically can take four to five months. So from a commercial development point of view, that's, that's a real win. And secondly, from a weather 
um, regardless of the weather, we don't have to stop for um, you know frost or rain or, or anything untoward like that because they're all done in a factory in a controlled environment. So it's a much higher quality product with, with a full 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 warranty. Sounds good, uh, mm. Nick. Yeah, Jason, just so I'm clear, do you, do you see your, your company offering, so an architect would work with you to deliver that part of the build? So they, they would still take the ownership of the overall build, but you would input into the basement element of the build, or are you, am I getting that completely wrong? No, no, not, not at all. No, great question, Nick. Um, the, one of the challenges I have is that if you, for anyone who's got any exposure to the, the building industry, you, you'll appreciate there are many, many different layers of responsibility. Um, so I'm fortunate enough that my, my wife's an architect and we've been, I've been through some of that process, but um, there's what they call the reba, the, the seven stages of a build, and an architect will often get involved at the first one, two, three or four stages, and that might just be to planning and producing a set of drawings, and then the client will then engage someone else to um, a, a senior, um, they call it the principal contractor, to actually manage the, the liability of the build. But some, sometimes the architects do do it and sometimes they don't do it. And sometimes it's handled by a project manager and sometimes it's handled by a surveyor. And sometimes it's handled by a company. And so the, the easiest way uh, where, where people have agreed to hire one of the existing timber frame companies, so it could be Scander House, it could be Balfritz, it could be Huff House. Generally, they'll pay a fixed fee and that one company will be the principal contractor. And then they will either they'll engage us or they'll put us in touch with the client and the client pays our fee. But there's a there's already a working relationship. But you're right, that's the um, you know, I have a stack of 120 planning applications that we've had someone in the admin team go and find that have all got basements in them. But there's there's the client on that, then there's the planning agent, then there's the architect that did the initial plans, then there can be a different architect that does any conditions and amendments. And then, so I've got to call through one, two, three or four different people, find out who's actually the responsible person for putting out, the, producing the tender statement of exactly what you want and then deciding who to go with. So that's where my- I presume, Jason, the, archi the architect has got to have an awareness of the, the technical, what you can deliver technically with-, with Correct, your, yes, yeah. it's for them, for them to specify. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. So, so having exposure and for architects to have awareness of what you do is, I guess, pretty high up on your list of- um, yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's, I'm, I'm thinking in the future, maybe some, some kind of CPD and um, type or offering that as a service to some of the larger architect practices, but then yeah. is actually getting involved in some of the, there's obviously architects organizations. So that's kind of where I need to start to show up without being a salesman. I've got, I've got to show up and know that I'm there to help them solve their problems that they might have with their clients yeah. rather than just try and buy, buy my stuff. Yeah. Very often when we're doing this sort of one-to-one -one or group session, it's a matter of finding a bit of the detail, which is beyond most of us because you haven't, you know, you're not dealing with people who share that same audience. But it's also trying to understand who those potential people are that mm. are responsible that you need to get in touch with before this decision is made. So far you've talked about planners, surveyors, architects, Presumably other people involved in the building industry. You mentioned about the Swindon Self-Build Centre. I've actually been in there. I can't remember why at all, but I've been in there. I wasn't never thinking about building my own. But I, the question I would ask is why did it fail? Because if that's where the audience goes to, 
and they pulled out because yeah. they weren't getting the results. Why were they not getting the results? Was it that the person representing them was fairly rubbish? Were they only half-hearted? Are there anybody in that group, in that centre? Uh, is there anybody in that uh, centre that could act as an affiliate or as a joint venture partner without you having to go in? In other words, there are some potential partners. Uh, that yeah, I, I think I think that's. A, I'm you, sure you've thought you're right, about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's that's one avenue I want to go. So the idea is the house builders themselves, and in the centre, there's probably. Um, seven or eight of them and one one approach I've been considering is to say to them if I can get the right person on the phone is rather than us spend our advertising budget and pay it to the self-build center I'd rather offer it to you as an incentive for uh, specifying us when you build your house so yeah, that's yeah. really I think the so for, for, yeah obviously from a referral perspective um, I'd like introductions to builders that do houses because again this is a specialist in the way a builder will hire an electrician, they might hire a plumber, they might hire a roofing contractor. So the, the, the main builder as a term will effectively manage the project and they'll hire the specialist trades. And then it's, yeah, it's the architects and the, um, the academic professionals um, that people engage at the, the beginning of the process. Okay. I'm gonna to have to cut it short now because you know we've reached that top of the half hour, if you like. Uh, Jason, that I found that very valuable there. I've already written down a number of people. Uh, I know a guy that I occasionally have breakfast with is, um, I think he's, his electricity bill for his latest build is 25 pounds a day. And his gas is 35 pound a day. And uh, he, he built the equestrian center for Dyson. So he's used to oh, wow. big contracts. Um, yeah. He's talking about that. I'm another guy that I know, Wayne Richards, in the fabrication business. So he may be a useful guy because he, not that he's there in your your contact list, but he might know people that you can put mm. you in touch with. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. Is anybody else, uh, without making any promises, anybody else that might have contacts for uh, for Gary? But don't tell mm -hmm. me unless you are prepared to put them in touch because there will be some level of accountability, Ollie. Yeah, I've got three property developers on my books oh, yeah. that um, <clears throat> oh, wow. probably be quite useful actually contact mm. Jason. So I will, I'll, I'll message you, Jason, and see the how I can uh, introduce you to them. Really appreciate that. Thank you. That's a good way to do it because you want to know the right. Yeah. You know, I I need to think yeah. about how I introduce it to Gary because Gary's like I say, mm. well, I know Gary's background. He's like I say, well, I do that. Uh, Adrian, uh, uh, Andrew, rather. Adrian, I keep getting called Adrian recently. What's going on with that? I, <laughs> I don't know. So I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll connect you with, with those guys as well. Yeah, thank you. Mm. And, yeah, and it's the kind of thing that they might only need once a year, but I need to know that I'm the man that they know about when when the time comes. Yeah, definitely. But, what, but by the sound of it, you're, the, the, this approach has got the your company's got the experience and a unique approach, yeah. uh, a specialised yeah. approach, a niche approach. Um, Nick. Yeah, I think Andrew and I both know the same architect who's very kind of focused on environmental projects um, and kind of eco builds and energy reduction. So, um, yeah, mm. either Andrew or I can introduce you to this, this chap in Bath. Great, thank you. Uh, Rod? All I can think about, even though I live in the heart of Somerset, um, Jason, is Italy 
because every single builder that's in this area, Notarios are in Bridgewater, Ambrosini, Davidio, they're all Italian, mate. The mafia is here. <laughs> I'm not sure where that's there. If I can just quickly go around and just give us one last thing, that one thing you've got from today's meeting, because we started with joint ventures, affiliates activity, paying, not paying. Um, I like the way that Jason's talked about the way he's described switching his advertising budget as soon as you have it rather than so-and-so. So, um, Tracy. Well, I'd like to focus on Jason, because I think that was a good time spent kind of looking at one particular issue. And I think on the other part of the conversation, the bit for me was um, just going back to, I'm not a salesy person, so I don't like the incentive side, side of things. So um, that's just something I'm going to take away and think about again. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Nick? Yeah, I, I particularly liked um, Ollie's um, comment about how he says thank you in kind of in an unusual way and, and being spontaneous. I think... Um, Doing things which are memorable um, and different, you know, really stand out. So that, I thought that was a great kind of standout comment, Holly. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Nick. Martin? Um, yeah, it was really nice to learn a bit more about Jason. I didn't really know exactly what he did. So that's, that was really interesting. And yeah, just that idea of I don't feel particularly drawn towards giving people money, but um, for getting work. But it's a kind of interesting, you know, something like uh, Tracy said, it's something to ponder about or how you do it, because everybody's individual, depending on the clients you've got as well, and how you deal with that. So, yeah, we, all, we all prefer to receive than to give money. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Maybe we should have continued this conversation about any other uh, affiliate activity we can seek out. Uh, Marcus. Uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, it was great to hear about Jason. Um, he truly is a seller of sellers. Um, Thank you. Uh, sorry about that. And I, actually, I'm going to be taking away uh, his idea of an ambassador programme. I think that's a really good idea of putting that. Uh, and I've got a few joint ventures going on this year, and I'll let you know how they get on. Maybe a creator team. Indeed. indeed. Charlotte, we're just, just one thing you've got from today's meeting. I really enjoyed the Jason um, focus on, on getting to know more and kind of knowing because there's quite a few people that I would love to sort of maybe have a one-to-one -one and see how that can collaborate and also took away from Ollie to rekindle with connections so he was saying he might have missed an opportunity and I think sometimes we forget those opportunities so rekindle with some people that I haven't been in touch with for a little while. Well if there's anybody here that you don't have the contact details for you'd like to be in contact with me. You know, just get back to me and I'll, I'll connect you. Um, Thank you. Hopefully you'll come again on a regular basis. Uh, Thank you, I really enjoyed it. Andrew. Yeah, interesting thing about the incentive stuff. So what I maybe realised was that so my sort of incentive thing is when I know people, so it's not cold, but something I'm doing at the moment, um, I want to leave this week, allegedly. Um, I'm, one of the things I'm doing is redesigning my website to reflect what I do expansively rather than just the one sort of thing that I talk about a lot. Um, and I was thinking about having um, a sort of affiliate type thing on there or, you know, sort of, you know, 10% if you refer or something like that. But this has really got me thinking that maybe that's not the cleverest of ideas because it's a bit too cold and people don't actually know me. So 
Yeah. I think I might not do that. So that's been quite interesting, actually. It's got something got me thinking about that. And I love what Ollie said as well about uh, unexpected presence like that. I'm, I'm expecting mine, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, yourself. Um, yeah, top of my list is obviously reconnecting with um, the, the person I spoke about is, is my big takeaway. And yeah, great to have a bit more um, information about Jason and what you do as well. That was really good. I enjoyed that. The, uh, learning about what you do basically and who we can introduce you to a bit more. Yeah, thank you. Thank good. You. And uh, Jason, finally, you. Um, you yeah, asked, but I, first of all, I've got to make sure I don't give it too technical because although I, I'm trying not to, obviously I get so caught up in it, so that's a real key. Um, but the, the idea of um, making some kind of, I think there's two sides of the incentive here. Yeah, there's obviously an upfront financial part of it, but Olive's, Olive's way with the gift, because for some people, money is actually not the biggest driver. And actually the thought and care into even a bunch of flowers, I think can, can make a really significant difference because it, it's a memory. Well, I only heard it on an ebook the other day. It's not, people remember how you make them feel more than anything. Not what you say, not what you do, it's how you make them feel. So that actually, I think the gift side of it is really, really powerful. But more than anything, deep down people, if you're putting people in touch with one another, it's your reputation that's at stake. Mm -hmm. Remember that, so you, you, yeah. you won't give up that too lightly. Thank yeah. you very much to everybody. Uh, this week's going to be a really nice warm week. I hope it gives everybody an opportunity to get out and enjoy the vitamin D and the sunshine. Um, and that you're not stuck down a dark, dank cellar. I don't know whether that was a great description. No, no it's not. Right, look out, this is the window. Look, look outside now. This is, this is the view out the office window. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. All right. But um, for a week. See you all next week. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Thanks, See you soon.